Today's episode is sponsored by Peacekeeper Games, creators of the critically acclaimed Euro-style board game Rurik, Dawn of Kiev. In Rurik, you play as a royal successor attempting to overcome your siblings and rule 11th century Kievan Russia. Rurik features area majority, resource management, and an innovative auction programming mechanic. The first expansion to Rurik, Stone and Blade, is now live on Kickstarter and knocking out stretch goals. So will you seize your destiny or fade into obscurity? Check out Stone and Blade on Kickstarter today. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're going digital. We're talking about what it looks like to take your game, take your prototype, put it online into tabletop simulator so you can play it, you can play test it, but people around the world can also check it out. And we're talking to Dustin Hendrickson from Thunk Board Games. Dustin, welcome to the show. Hey, Gabe. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, man. Really excited to talk to you. You're a guy that uh, has, has figured out the ins and outs of Tabletop Simulator. You, you've been working on the uh, the platform for a little while now, and so you've got a pretty good understanding of it. So I'm really pumped just to, to basically pick your brain about the best practices, <laughs> the tips and tricks, the, the things that took you 10 hours that maybe should have only taken 10 minutes, and now you can help the rest of us not travel down some of those roads where we bang our head against the uh, the the computer screen for a while. But before we get into that, who are you? How'd you get into game design? All that kind of thing. Gotcha. So yeah, as you said, my name is Dustin Hendrickson. Uh, a little bit about me. Um, I actually come from a background in engineering. I'm a software engineer by trade. Um, growing up, I played a lot of board games, your normal Monopoly and stuff. Um, but I had a friend who had some more intricate board games, uh, like Keys to the Kingdom. And there was a uh, Star Trek game with uh, you put a VHS tape in, it would play, and things would be dynamic based off that. So that kind of sparked my my initial love for board games. Um, so I, t- growing up, I uh, I wanted to make video games. Uh, that was my passion. So I started down that ro- road, and I found out that uh, it's hard making a full video game, being a one man, you know, kind of team. Um, so I kind of focused more um, on board games about three years ago in 2017 and created my first board game don't let it die and i uh was super interested in in the digital aspect as well um so i jumped on to tabletop simulator to kind of uh, design my first board game attempt ever very cool all right so let's just get into it what is tabletop simulator oh perfect so tabletop simulator um is a tabletop physics simulator, really. So it's like you are at a table with your friends um, where you can grab things and move it around like it was in front of you, basically. So it's got physics involved with it. Um, so you've kind of got that sense of playing around with people, but on, on the internet. Gotcha. And this is something for your computer. Where do people buy it? Right. So you can get it on Steam. Um, normally it's like 20 bucks. Uh, they a lot of the time they have sales for 50% off. So you can, if you check right, you can get it for $10. Um, well worth the investment. Uh, and we're, we're going to go over a lot of those reasons today. 
Yeah, for sure. That's something I, I would definitely say to people, wait until it goes on sale. It goes on sale pretty regularly, like once every month or once every six weeks. So just wait a minute. If Unless you just really need it, uh, you can get it. And if, if you don't mind paying 10 extra dollars, who cares? But it does go on sale pretty often. And so tell me about like the why of Tabletop Simulator. Why is it helpful for game designers? Why is this something people, especially now in 2020, uh, should take a look at? Right, so there's there's multiple facets about why you should use it. Um, let's touch on uh, from the designer aspect of creating your board game first. So normally, when you're designing your games for prototypes, you're usually you know you got a, a stack of blank cards and you got a marker and you you know you're just cutting stuff out and prototyping that way. Um, but it it's hard to get feedback from from others unless you're physically going out and, you know, and playing with them then. And even with that, it's kind of, kind of weird sometimes with just the, the hand written out components, uh, with tabletop simulator, you can go in and you can create and prototype and send out for playtesting feedback from thousands of people. Uh, and it just makes that process so much easier and so much smoother when you're going at it from, from a place where you can do constant iteration and you can push those changes out to you know, a wider audience than just going to your local uh, game shop and, and playing with some people or bringing uh, people over for a game night, uh, especially in times like these where we can't do that. Like we just we can't do it. It, should, it really helps with that process, I feel. Yeah, for sure. I want to dive into the playtesting aspects uh, in a little bit. But before we get into that, tell me about the learning curve. How difficult is it to understand and to kind of figure out all the, the buttons and the levers and, and how everything gets uploaded and, and you know into the system? Tell me about how difficult it is to get started. It's, it's interesting. So if you're familiar with uh, video games, uh, it kind of has that same control, control structure of playing like a real-time strategy game where you, you've got this overhead camera that's panning around and you're clicking and moving and dragging things. So if you have that familiarity with the, uh, the video games, then you're going to probably have a lot easier time uh, going on to Tabletop Simulator. Um, that said... It's not too hard to pick up if you don't either. There's lots of great documentation uh, that the Berserk Games has, which is the uh, uh, the creator of Tabletop Simulator. They have great wikis and great community uh, documentation on how to do things. And it's pretty easy to find help if, if you ever do run into any situation where you're not sure what to do or how to do this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of information out there now, a lot of how-tos, even the Board Game Design Lab YouTube channel. It has a, a playlist, which is just a, a series of videos on how to do lots of different things inside Tabletop Simulator. So if you're just getting started and you're not sure where to begin, uh, I really recommend that uh, playlist for those videos. Just kind of get the ball rolling and get you figuring uh, things out. Now, do you need to know how to code? You know, is, is that something that people need to, to be aware of, like coding languages or anything like that? Not at all. Uh, so... The uh, the essence of Tabletop Simulator is that it is just a physics simulator to where you're dragging around these pieces and stuff like you would in a physical board game. That being said, you can, uh, if you do have scripting knowledge or want to learn scripting, uh, Tabletop Simulator uses Lua as a programming language to do all of its scripting. Um, that's definitely feasible. Um, and it actually adds a, another level of polish on your game uh, and, and will help, you know, raise the ranks uh, on the Steam mod pages, basically. 
Gotcha. Now, as far as specs, uh, can I use it on a Mac? Do I have to have a really high-end computer? Can I use it on a phone? Give me just kind of the basic details on, on those things. So you can use it on, uh, I'm pretty sure that it's Mac supported as well, or PC, uh, but you need a, a at least a medium range computer. Uh, Low-end computers, just based on all the physics involved and the high resolution images and stuff like that. It doesn't play well with super low end, um, but you'd be surprised with, uh, depending on the mods that you play, it, it kind of varies. Uh, but there's no support for phones or anything or browser base. It's all like you buy the game on Steam and you can play it, you know, via like a normal video game. Gotcha. I did an episode a while back at this point about Tabletopia, and that is a, a similar system that runs through your internet browser. You don't have to have a, a program or software on Steam or anything. Tell me maybe some pros and cons. Maybe let's take just a moment to step back and look at Tabletopia versus Tabletop Simulator. What are some reasons people would want to use Tabletop Simulator instead of Tabletopia? For sure. So Tabletop Simulator is has a bigger... Uh, crowd base, basically. There's a lot more people playing Tabletop Simulator. There's a lot more people creating mods for Tabletop Simulator. Uh, so you just, you have a bigger community to pull knowledge from um, to help you with your project. You have a bigger crowd base that you can pull in to be a fan base uh, with your mod. Um, it is more performant because it is, you know, it's not browser-based. It's it's based on your computer, Um some of the cons uh, is the same as it's not in a browser and it doesn't run on the phone. Uh, you have to be at a computer to play it. So you lose some of that mobility. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, the pros on Tabletop Simulator at this point for a designer looking to put their prototype out and get playtesting feedback and marketing, um, it, it's one of the better options. Yeah, one thing about Tabletopia, it is free. And so if you don't have 10 bucks or 20 bucks, that is obviously a better way to go. But at the same time, I think you get what you pay for. And paying a little bit of money for Tabletop Simulator, you do get a little bit more for your money. At least that's been my experience. What about your thoughts? For sure. And uh, another thing to know with Tabletopia is even as a designer, you have to have a subscription to have more than one game on their system. So you can have just your one game up there, but if you have others, you'll you'll have to be paying, uh, it's like five or 10 bucks a month uh, to ha- support other games on, on there. Whereas Tabletop Simulator, it's a one-time purchase and you can put up as many mods you know, as you want and it's all backed on the, uh, the Steam cloud. So that's a really good thing to be aware of. Now, when you say mod, is that just a synonym for my game or my prototype? Yeah, so the way that Tabletop Simulator handles uh, games uh, that you download is through the Steam mod system. So they're technically, your board game is a mod for Tabletop Simulator. And there's they have a big library of all these mods that you upload and uh, you can make them public and you can give them their own little pages where you can add videos and information and pictures about the game. And it's where you, it's kind of your main landing page to, uh, to get people to uh, see your board game and to play it once you have it a working prototype up and ready. Now let's talk a little bit about functionality. You know, I've got my game, it's all good to go. Now, do I have to upload everything or what, what is available inside Tabletop Simulator as far as dice and meeples and pawns and all that kind of stuff? So they have a a decent amount of stock pieces that you can use. Um, Dice, um, little go marbles, um, 
chess pieces, some basic D&D miniature type figures, um, which, which will get you going for the most part. And they also have, you can upload custom pieces, uh, which gives you a wide, a wide range from uh, cards, uh, different board types, tokens, uh, standees, custom dice. Uh, so out of the box, if you've got the art or you can make the art, uh, you can get most of your stuff up in there without having to do any custom, uh, getting custom models or, or go to other places. But you can also, uh, as I was saying before, the mod scene is is a lot bigger. So there's a lot more third party, you know, just community members making and uploading assets that you can use. So if they don't have something that you need, some specific meeple shape or a certain type of dice, uh, certain chances are you'll be able to find it as a community uploaded asset. Very cool. Now, if I've got a game with lots of miniatures and I've got the STL files, can I upload those to have like a 3D uh, figure on the board or or how does that work? So Tabletop Simulator is based on Unity. Um, So if you can take that model and convert it into a Unity object, uh, you can upload it into Tabletop Simulator no problem at all. Gotcha. All right, let's talk a little bit about the functionality. What all does Tabletop Simulator give me access to as far as does it shuffle the cards for me? Can I have like a big bag of tokens and and pull random tiles out or can I pull them out in order? Tell me a little bit about the things that uh, I'm able to do inside the software. Gotcha. So out of the box, uh, it it does come with tools like uh, bags. Um, and infinite bags where you can put a token in and draw infinite amounts out or just have a normal bag where you can toss tokens and cards and things in. And then uh, you can use the, the, the R key to shuffle, basically. So you would hold your mouse and you would uh, be able to shuffle card decks and you would be able to shuffle bags. Um, and th- there's that kind of basics there. Um, but until you get into the scripting, um, most of the the process is going to be manual. They just have some quality of life tools to to make it easier out of the box. Right. Aren't there a lot of hotkeys that you can press to do various things? For sure. There's tons of hotkeys, and the hotkeys are super customizable. Um, and then depending on the board game you're playing, the designer could set up custom hotkeys for their scripts as well to do certain things like draw specific cards from their setup. Um, and things of that nature. Okay. Now, as far as setup, what all, like, let's say I get into a mod, is the game already set up or do I have to now pick up the cards and set it up on the table the same way I would in real life? Tell me about that. So that really depends on the board game mod itself. Um, Some designers will go ahead and get everything laid out for, uh, it really depends on the game too, depending on on player counts and, and what all needs to be done to set up. Um, in the case of mine, um, I have it ready and set up. Um, you just have to pick your characters and you're good to go. Um, some other games, they just have piles um, where you have to manually go through and set everything up. Some of them have scripting to where you hit a button to say, uh, we're playing with three players, so give me this setup. And they've got it coded to where it grabs everything and then lays it out nice and neat for you. So it, the mileage is going to vary Um and if you are thinking about putting your game up there, it, it is always nice to uh, to have that kind of scripting stuff after you've done your initial play tests and you're you know you're good with how the game is at the current moment. Nice. All right. So when you talk about scripting, how difficult is that? Is is that something I can just kind of figure out on my own, or can I go online and find kind of like copy paste 
and, and people have written their own scripts and I can just borrow theirs and plug it in to my mod, my, you know, software or tell me, you know, more along those lines. Yeah. So the scripting, um, you, for sure, you can go ahead and pick it up. Uh, Lua is a pretty easy language to pick up on. Um, there are some weird things, um, because of the nature of the physics simulation that you have to work around. And that kind of just comes with playing around with it. But for the most part, if you're just going to be drawing, you know, from, from decks and moving some stuff around and just doing basic stuff, it's super easy to get in there and just start playing around and, uh, you know, just get it done. And as I said before, the community members will help a lot if you have questions regarding scripting. There's a lot of smart people making a lot of scripts um, that uh, may not be tailored specifically um, or very modular, um, but you can go ahead and refine those yourself. Okay. Now, as far as the rule book, you know, let's say I've got a PDF document with all my rules in there. Is that something that can exist inside the mod or do I have to have another tab open or how does it work? Uh, definitely. And that's one of the things that I stress that for each designer that's putting their game on, on Tabletop Simulator is to include rules in there. They have a very nice PDF tool where you can just add a PDF of your rule book in there and it gives the, the user controls to pop, like attach it to their screen and go through the pages themselves. Um, and it just makes the whole process a lot easier. Uh, there is also a tablet tool where you can load a virtual uh, tablet in the game. Um, and what I've done is I've actually put a how to play video that loads up uh, when you load the mod and you see my happy face teaching you how to play the game. You can shut that off or not load it, but it is there as an option for anybody that plays it. So that's something else to think about is uh, kind of including more of the digital rulebook in there as well as the, the more physical PDF in your face rulebook. Wow, that's really cool to have, you know, potentially a, a video of Rodney Smith in there showing you how to how to play inside the mod itself. That's just a, that's a really cool thing. I actually wasn't aware of that aspect. That's something I need to uh, to look into. Is there a certain, give me some best practices on that. You know, is there a certain file size that, you know, you don't want to have a two gigabyte video because it slows everything down or, or tell me along those lines. Right. So actually that doesn't even matter because uh, as long as you have it hosted up onto like YouTube or something, because it basically is just a browser on this little tablet window. And so you can load up whatever URL you want. Uh, mine specifically just loads it up straight to the YouTube video on how to play. Awesome. Now, one thing I've seen in some people's mods is they have like a snap where cards, if you, as long as you get it near where it's supposed to go, it kind of snaps in place and boards will snap into place, almost like a magnetic kind of thing. Tell me how that works. How difficult is that to implement? So that's super easy to implement. Uh, Tabletop Simulator has a bunch of tools like that and gizmos to where you can go in and set up snap points, as they're called, um, on boards or on cards or basically anywhere you want to put them. Um, and you can also have rotational snap points. So it would like rotate a card to a certain position when you dropped it on it or flipped it a specific way. And those are super easy to add. They're just a, a couple clicks on the toolbar and then you're just clicking in the, uh, the actual world on the cards and on the table where you want stuff to snap to. Awesome. All right, tell me about some, some other gizmos that are really helpful that maybe people wouldn't know about initially, but uh, you know, it'd take a little while and they could figure it out. But tell me some of the other cool stuff that Tabletop Simulator has. So depending on what kind of game you're playing, um, it does have a bunch of different tools um, uh, for you to use. Uh, so for instance, if you're playing a war, like uh, miniatures war gaming, um, they recently added a, a big update to, uh, to help with drawing distance lines 
and uh, calculating a bunch of that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's um, all the main gizmos like the move and the rotate tool um, and the scaling tool that will allow you to, once you imported your cards and your items, to, uh, to move their position or rotate them and lock them a specific way or to scale them up or down. So if you, you imported it and it's too small, you can scale it up any way you want. Uh, there's also the zones tool. So the zones are mainly used for scripting. Uh, to where you can set up a specific part of the board with, uh, it's just like a box, basically, an invisible box that players can't see. But you could say, hey, I want to get all the cards that are in this area and draw them to the player's hand. So just little things like that, you can set up a bunch of different scripting zone areas. Um, and then there's also uh, what's called a hidden zone, uh, which is really good for... Uh, hidden information game. So if you've got a game where only you should be seeing, you know, what's on the front of your card, um, you can have a hidden zone on the player board and they can just drop their card in there. And once it's in that zone, only that player can see it. None of the other players can see what they're looking at until they drag it out of that zone. Um, so that's really good for those hidden information games. Um, that's, I think that's about the basics of the tools. There might be some others I'm forgetting, but that should be the basics of uh, everything you need to get everything done in Tabletop Simulator. Awesome. Now, all those things you just talked about, is it a matter of just clicking and, and dragging and dropping, and is it very easy, or do I have to script any of those things? Right, no. So it's all uh, what you see is what you get kind of thing. Um, so it's all visual button clicks and interfaces and all within that physical board world uh so there's no scripting if you don't want to do any scripting you don't need to um you, you can set it up all easy peasy um without any prior knowledge of coding or anything like that just a couple uh, documentation you know just the process of how to do things is all you really need to know now are there any games that work really well like what are the types of games that, that are really best for tabletop simulator and then maybe what are the games that aren't really made for this type of uh, software right so um solo games are are, are a good uh, good idea because uh, you don't need to have um other players like connecting in and uh and checking that out um all right so uh some of the best games on tabletop simulator are gloomhaven right now it's it's one of the most popular games on there um, because of the scripting that they have added into it to make it uh, more manageable. Um, so that's one of the things you need to think about um, with your game. If it's uh, something like Twilight Imperium, where it's just some big, expansive, super long game, and there's lots of, lots of stuff to keep track of, um, and you know health counters out there and stuff like that, uh, scripting is going to be way more beneficial um, to make sure that those mods are you know, capable for TTS. Uh, whereas your sm super small, like single deck of card games um, are, are going to be, you don't need any scripting. You can get those up super easy. Um, so those kind of games are, I, I wouldn't say best suited for, but they are better suited. Um, the smaller games to where you can get in there without needing any scripting for it to make sense and not feel like uh, it's overwhelming. Right. I think any game that has a lot of shuffling it's also really good on Tabletop Simulator because it's so much easier. It's just a button click and or you know hotkey, and now the whole deck is shuffled. I didn't have to take up the time. So you can actually play some games a lot faster on Tabletop Simulator than you could 
in real life. Now, as far as games that don't do so well on, on the program, tell me about those. Yeah, so that's going to be the games that, you know, probably should have some scripting involved with them and don't. Uh, because they're just there's just so much going on to try to keep track of in you know that space um, and it really it, it most games you're gonna be able to find a way to get them on tabletop simulator um, one way or the other uh, it just really comes down to how much time you want to spend on the project and how much you're willing to look in and research on how to adapt to what issues are keeping you from having you know a good game on there now, what about dexterity games? How how do they how well do they do? So there is a flick tool um, in Tabletop Simulator. Um, I guess yeah, dexterity games probably aren't the best ones to have in here, which you would think is kind of weird because it's a physics simulator. But at the same time, um, like when you're flicking um, a token or something in here, you get a draw line, and it's just. It's really easy if uh, you know you're trying to flick to a certain amount of spots. Like you can figure out uh, the the draw line distance and, and kind of cheat it that way by saying, "Hey, I pull it back this far. I know it's going to go this far. There's no real you know variance in that." So dexterity games probably aren't the best. You can do it. Um, there's lots of tweaking you can do, but they probably are the least suited for tabletop simulator. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, let's take a, a step back and kind of look at the bigger picture of designing games, publishing games. First of all, what's the speed on, on getting a game into Tabletop Simulator? You know, if I'm going to make a, a prototype myself out of, you know, paper and, and stuff I've got lying around, it takes me a certain amount of time. How long is it going to take me to upload everything and get everything figured out into in Simulator? Right. So it's super easy and it, it really depends on the size of your game. Um, but if you've got a small, medium sized game, you're going to have that game up, you know, in an hour or two. Um, and once you've learned the process, it'll be even faster than that. Uh, once you um, have your art assets and everything, you know, ready to go, um, the actual uploading it into the game process is super quick. Okay, so this can really speed up my prototyping process. For sure. It'll speed up that prototyping process, and it will also allow you to make changes, uh, iterate over those changes a lot quicker and get those changes tested a lot quicker as well because you can send it out to so many people real quick. Yeah, I want to get into playtesting in just a second, but as far as like prototyping, so you know, I need to change a card. Normally, I have to change it in Photoshop or Canva or whatever program and then print it out, cut it out, sleeve it, now I can play it, but it's very, it's a, it's a lot quicker process for a tabletop simulator, right? For sure. Uh, you just export your card out um, or your entire deck out, um, and then you can upload the whole deck right there. Um, it doesn't have to be individual cards. You can have the entire deck grid uploaded and playable, you know, changed in a matter of seconds. Very cool. Now, as far as my prototype, let's say I've got a bunch of art that I just pulled off of Google that I just found, you know, off the internet that I don't own the rights to. Is there a problem with me having that kind of art on my my mod, my prototype inside Tabletop Simulator? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, the mods are free. You can't charge for, for the games. Um, so you're not making any money off of it. Um, as long as you, uh, you know, put your the, the credits where they need to be on your mod page, um, I, I haven't seen any issues with that. Okay, that's good to know. Now, you bring up a, a quick question, though, as far as, okay, you can't sell stuff. Is there a way to sell a game? Like, let's say I, I put up a finished copy of my game. Am I able to make money off of it? You know, I own all the rights to it and everything. Can I make cash? 
you could not. Um, if you are the licensed owner of the IP, you can go to um, reach out to the Berserk Games and work with them to try to get a DLC option. Um, there are a lot of uh, bigger publishers that have made official downloadable content for Tabletop Simulator, and you can purchase those. Um, but as far as without going that route, you cannot. It's all just the free Steam mod pages. Okay. Now, if, if I do go down that road, is that something Berserk creates or I create it and then they just kind of license it or I license it to them? Or how does it work exactly? Uh, so you would reach out to them um, to start the process. And then it's kind of up to their discretion if they want to work with you on it. Um, from what I know about the process, they will actually, uh, they have resources to work with you to get the, uh, the three models made and the setup all done um, how you want it. Um, and get your art if need be. Um, so it's really kind of like a partnership deal. You have to reach out to them and kind of form from from that. Um, and it's, in terms of the indie designers, I don't think that they deal with, uh, with us too much. Um, right now, they're mainly focusing on the AAA uh, game designers and publishers. Um, but I have been talking with them some in the past year, and it's something they want to do is, is support more uh, community indie designer DLC stuff. So in the future, it could be possible. Yeah, that would make a whole lot of sense just to have, I mean, for them, it's just another way to make money that they don't really have to do a whole lot of work. Exactly. I mean, if you're the designer publisher, you're you're creating everything and you're just getting the, the okay from them and they could basically be like Apple with the, the, uh, the iPhone store, the, the app store, right. where they're just getting a big percentage every time somebody buys anything and not having to do any any work. So let's let's get into playtesting. How how do I do it? Uh, you know, I've got my mod; it's all good to go. Now it's ready to to play with other people. What's next? So at this point, you've got it up. You're ready to play. Um, you can load up. Uh, you need to gather gather up some friends, um, or uh, you can head up. There's an official tabletop simulator Discord uh, where a lot of people do playtesting, gather playtesters. There's also many other Discord groups around that focus on, you know, testing on Tabletop Simulator, finding groups to play with. Um, so it's good to kind of reach out to the community and find out where, where everybody's congregating. Um, and, and once you get some people who want to play it, uh, you can load up Tabletop Simulator, create a private room, um, and have them join. Uh, it's normally better to do it that way, um, just because there is an option to do like a public lobby, um, but it's really hit and miss with the kind of people that, that just join randomly. Um, some of them are, are perfectly awesome people um, and are, are down to learn the game. Some of them come in in grief um, and just, you know, throw stuff around. They're just not there to play test. So it, once you bring the people in the play test, um, it, it's super simple. You get the lobby up, they connect, um, everybody loads in. Um, you pick a, it's called taking a seat. You basically just pick a color. Um, and then you're, you're off to the races. You're good to go to start, start play testing, just as you would, uh, sitting around a normal table. Very cool. The board game design lab Facebook community is also a, a great place to find people to play test your game on tabletop simulator. So if you're listening to this and you're not part of the Facebook community, please come on in and join us. It's, uh, in my opinion, the best Facebook group community, whatever on the internet is super encouraging, a super positive place, a place to make your games better. Now, as far as playtesting goes, does everybody have to have a copy 
of Tabletop Simulator, or can one person have it and everybody else just kind of join in? So everybody's got to have their own copy of Tabletop Simulator to play um, running on their own computer, um, but it's all powered through the Steam network connection. Um, so that's just need the game and you're good to go. Okay, now am I able to change the game as we're playing. That's one of my favorite things. As I'm playtesting, I'll go, okay, you know what? That card is overpowered. Let me change the numbers on that. Can you do that? You sure can. Uh, the editing and the playing are the exactly the same thing, basically. Uh, so when you're loading up your game, making changes to it, um, you're saving it, um, and then you can load up different versions. You can have different versions saved and load to the specific versions. Um, or if you're playing and you say you want this card to change, just go ahead and import in the new card image you have, and boom, it's there live during the gameplay. Very cool. All right, so when it comes to building an audience, how can you use Tabletop Simulator? How can you use these playtesting sessions to really build an audience around your game, especially if you're leading up to publishing it or running a Kickstarter? Tell me about that. So Tabletop Simulator, as I said before, has a huge crowd base. There's a lot of people playing the game, um, especially right now. Um, there was a huge, huge uh, boon in the player base in March. Um, and the one thing I can say is you need to make sure that you've got a attractive mod page um, that describes the game, has, has great looking pictures, um, videos of the gameplay if possible, uh, just everything to make, make it more uh, enticing for the player to subscribe to that mod and, you know, give it a try. Um, and once you've got that point, it's all about your mod substance. You want to make sure that your mod is appealing. It looks good. Um, but you also want to make sure that it plays well, too. And, and not just in the gameplay sense, but in the, the physical tabletop sense. Because some things in the physical realm might not make sense to do in the tabletop simulator realm. It would just be easier. Um, so you've got to kind of get a balance between should this more represent the physical representation so I can get better feedback from them? Or should it be more tailored to uh, ease of use on the tabletop simulator program just so people, you know, aren't uh, disadvantaged by it or, or aren't despaired by, by that specific feature? So it, it's really just kind of finding that balance between the two. Okay, that makes sense. Now, can you give me a few examples uh, of things that maybe you've run into personally that you've had to kind of figure out, okay, this is how it works in, in real life, physical world, but it makes more sense to do it here, and you've had to make that decision. Give me some examples. Right, so um, on, the, on my game, there's a lot of drawing resources, um, uh, pulling little tokens out, um, and then uh, putting them back in after you use them. Um, so on Tabletop Simulator, you would have to click and drag them out of the bag across the table, put them in your area, and then after you use them, you would have to click and drag them all the way across back to the table, which in, in the physical world is fine because it's normally just a quick, you know, hand move to, to get where you're going. But on Tabletop Simulator, it just, it drug the game down trying to do that. So I added a little scripting uh, element, um, I called it the hole, where you would just toss these tokens into on the uh, the board, um, and they would just magically scripted get put back in their bags. Um, and this sped up uh, the interaction so much, and people were having a lot more uh, more more fun, and it was just speeding everything up and just you know making it better. Um, so that's a real good example of trying to find that balance between you know the physical real world and how you want to represent that in tabletop simulator. 
Okay. Now, can people play it while I'm not there, or do I have to be part of it because it's running off of my system or anything like that? So when you create a game in Tabletop Simulator, uh, create a lobby, you are the host, um, and it is all peer-to-peer. So people will connect to your computer. Um, so if you shut the game down, everybody's going to get disconnected um, from that match. Uh, you could Everybody could save the game um, before you left, and then they could load up from that save point and continue on without you. Um, but there is it is peer-to-peer, and if the host disconnects, then the lobby goes down. Okay. Now I've seen a lot of tabletop simulator links on Kickstarter pages where, where people will say, Hey, you know, check out our game on tabletop simulator see if you like it and you, they can go in and, and play it. So how is that one working? So that's just linking to the, uh, the actual mod page, um, which is uh, where you subscribe to the game and it adds it to, uh, to your list. So you can actually play it in the tabletop simulator game. Right. But I don't, I wouldn't have to be there if I'm the host or not necessarily the host, if I create the mod and then tell me how I can create a link to put on my Kickstarter page. That way I don't have to be inside every single session that, that people are clicking on that link and going there. They can still play the game. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so that doesn't... Um, so you would give them um, your Steam mod page link, um, which when you upload a mod, it will give you a specific ID number for your game, basically. Um, and it's just a, uh, just a Steam URL um, that you'll give out, and it'll go directly to your mod page. And from there, people can subscribe to it, um, load up Tabletop Simulator, um, and once they've subscribed to your mod, they can host it for others to play and join as well. So that's that's the way that you would link it for them to get the actual mod for them to host and play themselves. Okay, that makes sense. Now, from a pitching standpoint, you know, I'm trying to get my game picked up by a publisher, or maybe I am a publisher and I'm taking pitches. Tell me about how Tabletop Simulator can really help with that process. So that just that increases the speed at which, you know, publishers can go through and check games because they're not waiting on, you know, the, the game to get there. And it really increases the feedback time for uh, designers and publishers to, uh, uh, and kind of, I feel like just better showcase their game, especially at these times um, with, with all the, the variables and the shipping and, and everything going on. It's just, it really expedites the process. Yeah, for sure. Especially right now when it's very difficult to get out to conventions and set up pitch meetings in, in person. And I, actually, I, I had a game signed uh, after a, a meeting on Tabletop Simulator where I went in, showed the publisher, hey, this is the game. Here's how it plays. We played it, you know, and then got some feedback. And then uh, they ended up signing that game after afterwards. And so this is a, a system. This is something I think can work really, really well, uh, especially in these interesting times. Now, any, anything else, and you, you are a designer and a publisher, anything else on from that angle that maybe people need to be thinking about, maybe some best practices as far as how to run that effectively? Like if you're going to meet face-to-face, you know, I'd tell people, make sure you got deodorant on, make sure you look good, you smell good, all that. What, what would you tell people in this kind of digital pitching environment? Right, like uh, you should have your numbers. Um, so the Steam mod pages give you good uh, give you good information and data on how your mod's been doing. Um and you should also make sure if you if you are demoing on, on TTS, just to make sure that everything's you know super polished, uh, because you have the chance to, and you have the the chance for iteration and to make it the best possible thing you can, um, really quickly. So you just need to make sure that you've got all your ducks in a row before you do that, and make sure that your mod just shines. And that's uh, that's one of the things that there are a lot of not very well set up mods on TTS. So the more 
that you can make your mod look outstanding and provide that atmosphere that you want your game to have. And that's a big thing is that atmospheres. When you load into the mod, you don't want to just normal player just sees, you know, a couple things on the table. It's all strewn out, not really set up. It's just got a plain black background. It's not really enticing and pulling them in. But if they load in, you've got a custom 3D background or, or awesome skybox, and you've got, you know, a different atmospheric things in there to pull them in and get them excited to play the game. That's one way to really keep them locked in and uh, to get them to, to try the game. Because a lot of times there's a there's very high uh, turnover rate just because there are so many people and so many mods. Um, one of the key things is trying to get, you know, be sticky. You want to be, you know, in people's minds. You want them to tell their friends about it and try to play it again. Yeah, that's a great point. I played a game a while back and it was a, it was a prototype that I was playtesting with, with a guy. And his game was like a, like a wildlife game. You're kind of these different animals out in the wilderness. And uh, his background image was out in the woods. And so we're at this table, but you look around, it's like in this kind of wooded area. And I thought that was really cool. It was very thematic. And so how hard is that? How difficult is that to create kind of a custom background? So Tabletop Simulator, by default, you can import what are called uh, panoramic uh, images, which are just super wide images, and it kind of wraps them around in like a sphere skybox. Um, so it's super easy to just get in there and and find some something that would be kind of thematic for your game in a panorama view and just import that in. You can also do custom stuff if uh, you've got an artist or you're the artist or do design work. Uh, so it's super easy to get that feel in there. And then if you've got a 3D modeling background or someone that can do that, um, it's super easy, too, to get like a full 3D rendered skybox and background in there uh, once you actually have the assets. Gotcha. All right, going back to pitching, another thing I would advise is people rig the game a little bit to whatever the best possible experience is. So if you're going to have this publisher come in and look at the game, you want to you want it to obviously have the the best showing it can possibly have. And so this is the same thing I would tell people in meeting in person is, is stack the deck, right? If you want to make sure certain cards and certain combos and different things come out that really highlight the fun aspects of your game, Make sure you're doing that and then also do that in this this digital space. I assume you can do that. For right? sure. And that uh, since you can save different versions of your table, uh, you could have your normal game table save. And then you could also have a specific publisher save um, that you've got set up just specifically the way you want to run through it. Um, if you've got a lot of publisher meetings, you know, you just load up that table every time. You know what the outcome is going to be. You can talk about it, the mechanics, showcase, you know, exactly what you want to showcase when you want to showcase it. All right, so give me some of your personal best practices, maybe some tips and tricks, some things that you found that work really well, maybe some things that don't, maybe some some things that took you a while to figure out, and now you're like, oh, that was easy, I should have done that from the beginning. Anything like that for somebody, especially someone who's just getting started in Tabletop Simulator? Um, first off would be not releasing the mod to the public uh, before you're ready is one thing. Uh, because there is a lot of first impressions and high turnover rate, make sure um, when you are doing your initial prototype work and, and feedback, um, just trying to keep that to more uh, more close uh, close knit uh, group of people. Um, and then once you've got everything worked out to where you've got a good experience and you know that it works and flows well in TTS, um, that's when you can really start to do your marketing for the game. Um, and that includes, you know, your Steam mod page, making it look good, your final polish on your, on your, uh, your actual game, um, and then sending that link out everywhere. 
Okay. Are there any like technical tips and tricks, anything on the kind of the coding side, the scripting side, the actual software side that you're like, okay, do this, don't do that. Uh, there's not a whole lot of gotchas there um, in that sense for specifics, but it's always good um, to make sure that you're following the uh, trying to keep things in, in, size-wise. So when you're designing components and cards and things of that nature, um, and then importing them in, it's a, it's a good tip to try to keep them the same physical dimensions that you're going to be, you know, printing out to. Uh, it does create a better, like, just you, it's so you don't have to continually modify and scale things down and change things. Um, it's, it's more uh, consistent with what your physical, you know, game is going to be. Okay, but to that same point, I guess if you wanted to make a easier to read version where the components were bigger, the fonts were bigger, you could do that. Oh, for sure. Very cool. What are some of the really cool things you've seen other developers do with their mods? Maybe some really awesome ways that they use the scripting in the background, like kind of the more advanced stuff. Tell me about any of those things. Right, so the the Gloomhaven mod is actually uh, really well done. Um, it's it's a top of the popularity list for, you know, numerous reasons, uh, but it's just a really well set up, uh, game. Um, they went into really good detail with, uh, making it easy to play. So they have a lot of scripting to where on the actual minis themselves, they've got little like video game looking health bars above them. And you've got little buttons on the minis to control how much life they have. And, and that sort of thing. Um, and everything's just, it just flows well. Like everything feels like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just super easy to play because of the scripting and, and how they have that set up. Yeah. Very cool. It's a reason why it's a, a bazillion dollar game on Kickstarter and it seems to be showing yeah. up everywhere. Number one game on BGG for a reason, not by luck or by chance. All right, cool. So as far as your own personal experience with Don't Let It Die or any of the other games you've put on on the system, any little stories, anything that kind of came out uh, of you going through this process yourself several times? So I've made quite a few um, quite a few games on TTS now. Um, most of them are still in, in, in development work. Um, as far as stories go, uh, actually, uh, so... Don't Let It Die is my very first board game um, I ever made. Um, and this goes back to my point where uh, make sure that you've got your game you know, playable before you go live with it and you have it in a state where you want it. Um, I actually had launched the game with, with some Google art that I had found, just a bunch of different Google art, um, and uploaded it and had had good feedback, had people playing it and enjoying it. Um, but I had started working on an art overhaul uh, to make it what it is today. Um, and I had been doing tons and tons and tons of uh, to redesign and rework on this art. Um, and then there's a system in tabletop simulators called the Spotlight where the developers sometimes will pick community mods and games and put them up on the main page of like when you load up the game um, to kind of showcase them. Uh, well, Don't Let It Die ended up having that spotlight um, like right before I was about to change out the art. So I had all of this attention pointing to the game right before I was able to get all the art updated. Uh, so it was like an all-nighter I spent trying to get everything uploaded and uh, you know reset and just fixed up for the new art um, and make sure everything worked out. But 
ended up getting in just in time um, before the the big influx of players and everybody was loving the new art and just having a good time. Very cool. All right. Well, here's the most important question I think I can ask. Are you able to flip the table in Tabletop Simulator? You can, and I do it very often. (laughs) (laughs) And so when it flips over, what, uh, what happens? So it's just uh, just like you're flipping a normal table, except it falls into the abyss because there's no real floor. So it just all the pieces go flying everywhere. The table goes spinning down. <laughs> it's it's pretty fun. Yeah. Now, do all those pieces stay down there, or is there like a like a undo button that kind of puts everything back together the way it was? Or I mean... uh, there is. Uh, it's got undo and redo buttons. So like it resets. It has different steps. So you can go back in time ten seconds for I don't know how many times, but a bunch. So you can't flip it and be like, "Oops," because <laughs> that's happened before with people. Because uh, you can lock the permissions too. So sometimes uh, my friends will just click the flip button and I've got it disabled. But sometimes I forget to do that, and so they're just like, "Oop, flip." And then the whole table messes up in the middle of a game, and I've got to click back. But <laughs> gotcha. Well, cool, Dustin. This has been super helpful and informative. Any closing thoughts? Any anything you would tell somebody who's maybe listening to this and has never even gone to Steam, never even looked at Tabletop Simulator, maybe didn't even know what it was, but now they're thinking, "Hey, this sounds like a really cool way for me to prototype games and design and pitch and all that." What would you tell them? Right. If you're interested in designing board games and just want a faster process, you know, you want a way to kind of get the marketing out there and you kind of want a way to get more uh, valuable and speedy feedback, I would definitely say check out Tabletop Simulator. Uh, It's not that expensive. Just go ahead and check it out yourself. Um, uh, Look through the Steam Workshop page, see uh, what all games are actually on there. Um, and just kind of check it out. Um, definitely worth it from my point of view. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, Dustin, tell me more about Don't Let It Die and where people can find it. So Don't Let It Die is a one-to-four-player prehistoric cooperative survival game uh, where you are a part of the first tribe that discovered fire, and you've got to work together to try to discover or try to learn how to start your own fire uh, within 14 days. And so it's basically your story of these four tribe members um, going out, gathering resources, fighting deadly animals, uh, surviving deadly night events, crafting weapons, um, and just learning about fire. Um, And you can check it out at don'tletitdie.com. Awesome. Well, Dustin, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck with more and more Tabletop Simulator mods and uh, good luck with selling more copies of Don't Let It Die and everything else you got going on right now. Yeah, I appreciate it, Gabe. Love to be here. It was an awesome show. Uh, Yeah, thank you again for having me. Definitely. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?